I want to talk about something today that that's uh, important. I next week, unless the Lord changes my direction of thought, I'm going to preach on a subject that uh, uh, some of you heard about 30 years ago. But I've just had that on my heart, and unless I unless I change my mind next Sunday before Thanksgiving, I'm going to preach on the subject Thanksgiving for the things I'm not thankful for, and I want you to hear it. So I put that hook out there, and I want you to bite it and be here, okay? Thanksgiving for the things I'm not thankful for. This morning in Luke 17, I want to kind of use the theme of this holiday Thanksgiving. And it's sad it's once a year, isn't it? I think it should be every day for the Christian. I want us to go to Luke 17, excuse me, and let's read a portion of the Word of the Lord. I want to look at verse 11. It happened as he, meaning Christ, went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. The reason they stood afar off, these people were infectious and they were considered cursed of sin and this disease and they had a place outside of the cities that they had to camp. They were not allowed to come in very close to society lest their disease spread through the masses. They were outcasts. They were scorned. Their bodies were disfigured with this, what we know now is called Hansen's disease, I think, but this leprosy. They could not be with anyone except those who were diseased like themselves. This disease would deform the body in many ways. So they were afar off, and verse 13, they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Boy, let me tell you something. It'll, it'll, it'll benefit your life to know who Jesus is and that he's the master of it all. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, watch this, he didn't say be healed. He, didn't say, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And here, here's what he's in reference to. It's the Old Testament law that these people, if their leprosy changed and turned, it would change the color of their body. They would have to go to a priest and be declared by the priest clean because they thought it was a sin curse. And if their bodies were healed, the color would change and the priest could say, you are clean, and they could come back into society. So, in the Old Testament law, Christ said, go show yourself to the priests. And so it was, I love this prepositional phrase, as they, what, went. I want you to note there was not a note of hesitation anywhere. All ten of them, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, say the word one with me, one. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, meaning Christ's feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. He was the outcast of the ten. The rest we surmise were Jewish. This was a Samaritan. Of course, the Jews and Samaritans had nothing to do with each other. A culture class. I hope you know all that. Here he was, the outcast. Yet he's healed. He's the only one that came back. Verse 17, so Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? 
were they not found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner, this outcast, the Samaritan. And he said to him, I want you to note this, and I'm going to make a point of it in just a moment. To the, all the ten, he said, go show yourself to the priest. To the one that returned, he said, your faith, arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. The one that came back and gave thanks heard far more from the Christ than those who were just, can I say, merely healed. Lord, bless your word. God, let it soak into the very depths of our spirit. We're so busy. We're in such demand. Lord, what we do for you in this late day is going to have to be done on purpose. And by discipline, Lord, because it will never come by convenience. I pray, Lord, that your spirit speak to us as your word unfolds. For the glory of our Christ, let everybody say amen. Ten untouchables, Jesus healed them. This is not only an incident or another example of the healing power of Christ. It says something to us about the example of the sensitivity of human need that Christ has upon his people. I want you to know that Christ is ever present and he's compassionate. How many of you are glad for his mercies? The sight of the lepers in the Jesus day was a common sight. I explained they were accustomed to seeing them, but they stayed in the outskirts of the city. They could not come into the main stream of society. But because they were so common, seeing them, thus they began to pay little attention to them. These outcasts sort of went their own way. Places where they would be able to get food and go back many times to the garbage heap which they were required to be. That's what Gehenna was in the New Testament. You can read about it. I want to share with you suffering and misery, if seen enough and frequently enough, and tragedies that we see. Can I say that we can become desensitized to things that are real and genuine? It can just become the natural thought. It's my opinion. You can vary with it if you want. You don't have to believe it. But I believe we're in the last day. And I believe through Hollywood and television, the internet and video, because we're a very visual society, I believe Satan is desensitizing the the human being to death and blood and war so that we just think it's a common thing in life because the Antichrist is going to bring war. And it will be real. It won't be just on the video where the guy that gets killed today is back on another film tomorrow. Our glorious, one of the glorious attributes of the Christ we serve, ladies and gentlemen, he never became so accustomed, he never became so calloused in his heart, even though he saw the masses of suffering humanity. He never became callous to human need and misery. So much so that he could could not walk by and never minister to the hurting. There were several occasions where it said he healed every one of them. Wherever he saw suffering, something moved within the heart of the Christ. When he saw need, his heart was broken and he responded. The lepers cried out and to him and he responded. 
One thing you'll notice that those who are always truly suffering. Can I tell you personally one thing that I've known since having never before, but in the last few months had a surgery, two to be exact. I've learned this, that you may not think that you will give in to certain things, but when enough pain happens, you'll, you'll do whatever. You may think you're a tough guy, and I always thought, how many of you know when you're 20, you're bulletproof and invincible? I've learned a new appreciation about the scripture that says, in him we live and move and have our being, because it's true. But I've learned, I've watched, it. we get enough pain, enough suffering, those who are involved in that, they will do what is required. They will obey what is asked. The lepers obeyed. They found themselves cleansed. I'd like to borrow a word that I mentioned at Wednesday night at the miracle, the first miracle of Christ at the wedding of Cana where Mary, the mother, said to the disciples in preparation for the first miracle of Christ, let's go back to that scene. She moved up to him and said, they're out of wine. And he said, what's that got to do with me? It's not my time. And she just turned and said to the disciples, whatever he says to you, do it. I want to remind us today, whatever the Scripture, whatever the Word of God says to us, do that because you'll never be sorry you did. I want to note just a difference here. I want to dwell on a thought. The lepers, ten of them, discovered healing. And I want to talk about their response. And I don't want to add to nor take away from this book, for I know the dangers and the warnings of doing so. But I want to show you something that I believe is is in the scripture. When the lepers discovered they were healed, they responded. But I want you to notice nine went their way. Only one returned to give thanks. He was God's one, God's one, God's one. I want to note something about what Christ said to the one who returned that wasn't said to those who left. To that man who returned, if you read the New King James Version, which we did, in that verse, he simply says, let me make sure I get this exactly right. He said to him, your faith has made you well. He did not say that to the nine that didn't return. If you read the old King James Version, it says, Your faith has made you whole. I want you to know something. There is a difference in merely accepting and dealing with Christ for what you can get out of Him compared to what He can make you in your entire life and for eternity. And God is interested in healing, believe me. But God is far more interested in making you a person that is spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally whole. And Jesus asked a question, did I not heal ten? Where are the nine? And I think you can feel the pain inside the Christ in the heart of the Master. I will tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the ingrate wounds the Christ. 
You know why? Not because it's just His will or His way, but because He will, after this, He will sacrifice and thank God He has for not only healing of the body, but healing for the eternal soul. And when you do not accept Him as the whole giving, creating, miracle working God, then you only receive that which is temporary. I think that's the difference in a lot of Christianity. America claims, at least it used to, to be a Christian nation. But let me tell you, our, our lives and our, our living don't reflect it. I don't know exactly where the nine went. But if you'll allow me the, some imagination, and can I say mixed with some years of experience, I want to just lay out some thoughts about what the nine went through and let us see ourselves today and, and let the Lord speak to us. I'll tell you why I think they may not have returned. I hope you don't think me unkind. I'm just talking about what I know about people. Because I don't think we've changed much in humanity since this occasion. Number one, they took their healing for granted. I want young, couple, I want young minds to hear me this morning. I, I don't mean to negate your age, I do not want to let anybody despise your youth. I believe Paul said that to Timothy. But I want to share something with you. When you have very little, when, when you don't have a lot of blessings, that small which you get, you appreciate greatly. And the more blessing that you get, and the more it seems that it's piled on, the less we, the less we value it. And when that mindset comes, it's different. Let me tell you something different about my generation than yours. I didn't have much when I was a young boy. I lived way back in the country, and we moved on an old salvage yard, and we didn't have indoor facilities. We had a path <laughs> that led to what was called an outhouse. And there wasn't any water. And we had to draw our water out of a well about 50 yards away. And once I got strong enough and stout enough to draw the water, it became my job. And we put it in a white pail on the cabinet. We had a dipper and everyone drink out of the dipper except me because I don't drink after anybody. But I want to tell you one time my dad got on to me. Our kitchen was here. The, the water and the dipper was here. And you open a door, there was a screened in porch and, and uh, then the outside and I would take a, I, actually, I knew everybody in my family was right-handed, and they would just pick that dipper up and drink on what we'd call the left side, so I'd get it and turn it around and drink on the right side of it. And one of the things I learned was, when I was little, I, I didn't drink at all, so I'd just open that door, throw that, what was left through the screen door outside, and my dad said, son, when you go draw it, you can throw it away. How many of you following me? When you, don't, when, you don't, when you don't draw the water, you don't throw it out. And I learned something about that. But I want you to look at how minimal and how absolutely even non-comprehensive we are about getting a drink of water. 
When you don't have water, when you don't have a well, when you don't have city, when you can't turn the tap, a drop of water means something much more. Personal thing and I'll move on. When I was eight years old, I believe I was eight years old, my dad bought me a a Red Rider BB gun. And I'm telling you, I was right then, I was Davy Crockett. I was Jim Boone. Daniel Boone. Jim Boone? Who's Jim Boone? Just give me some room here. (laughs) Daniel Boone. One of them killed a bar, whatever that was. Davy Crockett, I think. Oh, yeah, Davy Crockett. I took that little BB gun. I mean, I thought I'd never own one in my life. I cherished that thing. I had it. I literally laid it on top of the bed beside me every night. I was going to protect the family. I mean, it meant so much. I am the hero on the old black and white television. I thought I could kill a bear with that thing. I have kept that BB gun to this day. It is over the doorpost in one of my places that I have. And I keep it hanging there. You know why? Because I didn't have it. When I got it, I cherished it. Our problem today is this. When you have so much, you do not learn to appreciate that which you have. And the sad problem is, it's only when we lose it, if we do that, then we value it. So... They took for granted their healing. Here's the, here's the mentality today. There was no real reason why they should be thankful. After all, they had been given a raw deal in life. The disease had been unfairly thrust upon them. So the healing was only what they deserved. They were finally getting their opportunity. Now I don't mean for you to think me unkind. But I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people today afflicted with a lot less that think that. Have you ever understood what I just said? They were embittered because of their condition. And their bitterness was so deep, they were not really thankful even for their relief. We suffered long enough, we deserve it. And I can understand that. There are a lot of people, ladies and gentlemen, who feel the world owes them a living. There's a lot of people in this society believes that every all of society owes them something. They take the blessings of God for granted. They take they deserve blessings because it's their right. Listen, every human being is is absolutely the apple of God's eye. He makes no difference in race. He makes no difference in culture. God loves us all. And the scripture declares he's no respecter of person. But I want to tell you, church, ladies and gentlemen, here's the truth. If God has chosen to smile upon us with great blessing, if there's food on our table, if there's clothing on our backs, if there's employment and checks and in come in our home if we are blessed with good health and on and on and on. It is not because it is our right. It is not because it is our due. It is not because we are deserving. It is because God is good and God is merciful. He is our Father and He loves His children. Thank God for His name. 
Therefore, it becomes our duty and our obligation and it becomes our privilege to fall on our knees and thank Him and glorify Him for what He has done for us, gifted us with abilities and beautiful health in our bodies. And we earn our keep. It's all because of the Father that loves us. Have there been some people being mistreated in the past? You bet there are. And if they're they're in the present, will be in the future. Ladies and gentlemen, thank God for being in America and let's not take it for granted. Six girls sat in the cafeteria at the school. One bowed her head to say grace. The other snickered. When her prayer was finished, she said, Why are you laughing and snickering? Aren't you giving thanks also? The other said, for what? We paid for the food. And so the one that prayed said, where did you get the money? And the other said, from our family, our parents. Thank God for the inside of a young lady. She said, the one said, where did they get the money? And the answer was, they worked for it. And the little girl that prayed said this, Who gave them the job? Who gave them the health? Who gave them the mentality? Who gave them the knowledge? Who gave them the strength? Who gave them ability to be there and get that job and get that check? Ladies and gentlemen, America, it's time to hear again. Planet Earth residents, listen. Every good and perfect gift that comes, comes from the Father above. To us all. Well, Pastor, I'm not as privileged as you, and I'm not as privileged as other people. Listen, all we got to do is carry our, just, we need to mind our own race. I mean our journey. Some church people feel, it even gets in the church. Some people feel like if things go right in the church, we did it. Some people feel like if things go wrong in the church, somebody else did it. (laughs) It's like some people feel like if something good comes their way, it's because of what I've done. When something bad happens, they have this attitude. Why did they do this to me? Why did God let this happen? Why is God so hard on me? But saints, listen to me. If we approach life with the spirit of gratitude... He will give us thanks, and we will give Him thanks in everything because we know it all came from the Father. In everything. And listen, when you can give thanks in all things, we can agree with Habakkuk. Listen to Habakkuk when he says this, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive tree fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Yet I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength and He will make me to walk on high places. A lot of people think they deserve today a lot more than they deserve. I've made a few comments about watching some Medicare ads, Medicare supplement ads. And it's what you deserve. What's that football player's name? 
Joe Namath thinks he deserves everything. <laughs> hey, I like Joe Namath, I guess. I don't like his lifestyle, but I like his philosophy. He used to say, he used to say I can't wait for tomorrow because I get better at looking every day. I, there's something to be said about a positive attitude. But you'd think he, listen, I, I, I pay my taxes, I pay in Social Security, all that sort of, I, I want what, in a sense, we deserve. But you can take that too far real quickly. And you know what? They almost do. I, I, I promise I'm not going to say this anymore. But here's the point. Do you know today that you can get all those benefits? I mean, even, even free gym. You can get all that and pay nothing for it. Zero dollars a month. If you believe that, stand on your left ear and lean on your right hand. I'm... They took it for granted. They took it for granted. Don't take, this, don't take your blessings for granted. Pastor, you don't know what I've been through in my life. Don't take your blessings for granted. Don't sell God short for your future. Let me tell you something. You obey this book and His Word. God will bless you beyond what you ever thought. Secondly, I want to say they became perhaps sidetracked. Maybe they became sidetracked. They meant to. Well, as quick as I get back and the priest says I'm clean, I'll come back. They meant to, but let me get to the priest first and be pronounced and then let me go home, let me see my family, let me... Let me Meet all my old friends and also let me see all those who shunned me. But when they get home, they started celebrating. And before they knew it, the day was gone. Before they knew it, the night was gone. Before they knew it, the week was gone. Before they turned around, the month was gone. Before they realized that the year was gone. And before they knew it, Jesus was gone. And before they knew it, he was crucified. And they never got to thank him. Busyness and demand, ladies and gentlemen, affects us spiritually. They had the best of intentions. Ladies and gentlemen, many people are going to miss heaven to spend eternity because of meant to religion. We meant to come to God. We meant to visit the sick. We meant to be obedient to the Lord. Our heart was in the right place. We meant to ask our neighbor for forgiveness. We, we, we meant to go to church. We meant to be a good husband. We meant to be a good wife. We meant to be a good parent. We really meant to be good children. We really meant to be good servants of the Lord. Somehow we just got sidetracked and we kept putting it off. Then we looked around and we were so engrossed in what we were doing. We looked around and our opportunities were gone. We looked around and the best years of our life had passed. We looked around and our children were grown. We looked around and the person we meant to reconcile with is no longer here. I've seen them come to a casket. And now the body of dad or mom is cold. And now it's laying in silence. And I've seen them weep and heard them weep loudly. I meant to ask you to forgive me. I meant to come and tell you. I meant to, meant to, meant to. It's too late. Meant to religion never does anything but talk. 
Meant to religion never saved a soul. Meant to religion never comforted a sick person. Never visited someone in prison. Meant to religion never repairs hurt feelings. Meant to religion never says I'm sorry. Church, saints, men, women, male, female, rich, poor, bond or free, whatever you are in this sanctuary, thank God today you have some opportunity to say thanks to God and the people in your life. Tell someone you care. Tell someone you love them. Make things right. Make things right. Make things right. Don't put it off. Don't live in meant to places because it'll pass. Come to God. Come to God. One came back. One returned, retraced his steps to get back to the Christ. And perhaps the others were grateful. However, point three, it was a lot of trouble to go through. It was a lot of trouble to go through. It was easier just to go on their merry way. Well, oh my, listen to this. Just my imagination. Well, he's the Lord and he'll understand. If he knows everything, he knows my heart. I want to tell you, that does not excuse you from coming and being a heart that is grateful to the Father. That's why we set aside every Sunday and Wednesday a place to worship and time to open His Word so that we can come. And yes, it's a lot of trouble. But when you get up 86 years old, like Orrin Wilkins, Dr. Wilkins, and his wife and daughter-in-law and son push him into a wheel in a wheelchair every Wednesday night, every Wednesday night, rain, shine, cold, sleet, and bring him to the house of God. Let me tell you, somebody has their priorities in the right order. <laughs> Honor God's servant like that? Absolutely. Honor the faithful. Honor those. It's a lot of trouble. How many of you know Satan gets up every Sunday morning and tries to do everything he can to keep you out of church? Oops. I felt that come back. Have you ever had a situation that has got out of hand? Huh? I remember when our boys were little. We were pastoring a church. And... uh, my gracious, I would go to the church early and my wife would call. She put something in the oven to, to fix the boys some breakfast and she's trying to get dressed and smear all that paint and powder and perfume. And those boys are trying, you know, they're the, and I'm telling you, Chad would wet his diaper. She's got to get it changed. Quint would skin a knee. So he would go start the car to try to get it warm and the car died. It's out of gas. I mean, tell you, everything that could go wrong will go wrong on Sunday morning because God does not want you in church. Have you ever noticed that it's so much easier for a husband and wife to fight on Sunday morning than any other time? (laughs) You're busy. You have to get up. It's a lot of trouble to go to work. Satan will try to enlarge that all he can. It was, they just went on their way. To return to Jesus meant they would have to return to the spot, to the place where they were once lepers. They wanted to forget all that, so they just went on. 
I want to share something with you that has plagued this late day society. When we get in trouble or we don't like something we like, we get to this point, we just don't want to talk about it. I see it in Hollywood. I see it in people all the time. Well, I just don't want to talk about it. I just don't want to talk about it. I just don't want to talk about it. I've been hurt. This situation happened. I just don't want to talk about it. I want to tell you something. When you don't want to talk about it, you need to talk about it. Because if you don't, how many of you know what self-talk is? And Satan, if you don't talk about it, Satan will talk to you whether you like it or not. And he'll always take it to the negative. And the longer you put it off, the worse it gets. When this book says, if you have not with a brother or sister, you go to them. Now, get there and talk about it. Reconcile. If they reject you, bring somebody else. If they reject you, they're on their own. But you get it talked out. Because bitterness will destroy your life. I didn't even know there wasn't any sugar on that. Well, I just don't want to talk about it. I just don't want to talk about it. Go out and talk about it. You wouldn't believe what I have to talk about in the offices. You wouldn't believe the problems I deal with in the office. We need to talk about it. I didn't even know it got quiet in here. Well, I just don't want to talk about it. I want to spank you. I want to spank you. We don't want to talk about it. When you don't talk about it, Satan makes a heyday out of it. And imaginations run on and go on, and you and it just festers. Satan will fester every negative thing in your life. How many of you know that's true? Thankfulness and a heart of gratitude, ladies and gentlemen, will change your life. Here it is. One came back. They just wanted to forget all that. So they just went on. I want to tell you something. It takes effort to stop and give thanks. It takes effort to maintain a right relationship. There are times when my wife does not agree with me. And every mind, I, I heard it loud and clear. Well, I can understand that. <laughs> Thank you for that vote of confidence. <laughs> There's just times my wife doesn't agree with me. Last July, we were married 50 years. 50 years, and we're only 40. 50 years. 50 years. Do you think we stayed married 50 years because we decided we don't want to talk? We don't want to talk about it. I didn't intend for the, some of this in this sermon, but ladies and gentlemen, we have, we have obligations as Christian believers to obey this book. And sometimes it gets where we live and sometimes we won't like it, but I will tell you this. A thankful heart and a gratitude to heart that pays the price to keep relationships is the part and parcel of our relationship with God. How many of you have ever been at naught with the Lord? Let me see your hand. How many of you ever failed God? How many of you are glad he just, no, when you got ready, he would talk to you? How many of you are glad you talked to him about it? Yes, we are. We're just human beings. 
It was a lot of trouble. It's easier to just stay in bed on Sunday mornings. It's easier to just wash the car because it needs it. It's easier to relax around the house than it is to get dressed and go to church. Jesus said, didn't I heal ten? Where are the nine? But praise the Lord, I'm glad to declare you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, God always has His one. God always has His remnant. God will always have a people who will be obedient and love Him as supreme above all things. I've learned that no matter how bad things may get, God always has one that will return and give thanks. I've learned as a pastor, when things get rough, God will always have one anointed saint somewhere. When I think the whole church and the rest of the world and my whole everybody's against me, there'll be a, a God-ordained saint that will come and say, Pastor, I want you to know I believe in you. I'm praying for you. As a husband, when things get rough and it looks like to me, my Lord, I don't have the answers. What am I going to do? And there's been a lot of times when the month was longer than the money and I didn't know what to do. Thank God for a godly wife who will come and say, that's okay, we'll make it. God will help us. I'm thankful as a father when so many things went awry. Maybe sometimes not even aware. One of my boys would come and hug me. One of my boys would say, Dad, I love you. That one's name may be Noah. Maybe Abraham or Moses or Joshua or Gideon or Esther. That name may be Elijah or Isaiah or Jeremiah or Daniel or John the Baptist or Stephen or Paul. God always has somebody. And in my day and in my time, I want God to know that he asked Pastor Brooks to say, I adore you with everything in my being. Sometimes God has more than we think. Elijah found that after Mount Horeb, he went to God and said, I'm the only one and I love this. I'm phrasing what the Lord said, paraphrasing it. He said, you're 7,000% wrong. I have 7,000 people who have not bowed to Baal. I have 7,000 people who have not turned. I want to tell you, God has a remnant across this world. And our brothers and sisters of every nation, every kindred, every tribe, every tongue, God has a people. The one returned was not only a leper. He was a despised Samaritan. He was a victim of hatred. And when his healing took place, it was the despised one who returned. Listen. I'm going to give a little bit of my message away next week. Sometimes what we hate is the very thing that God can use to make us greater. It was a despised one who returned. Jesus on people, the Jewish people went their way. The outsider, the least likely, the least expected is the one who came back shouting, Glory to God, I have been healed. The least likely, when God got ready to deliver Israel from Egypt, He picked the most unlikely, the least likely spoiled brat in Pharaoh's court. It was a Jewish boy by the name of Moses who thought he couldn't do the job. When God got ready to choose a king, He went to the backfield of a shepherd, the son of Jesse, and He picked David. 
when he got ready to choose an apostle to the Gentiles, he picked Saul who was raking, railing against and even having Christians imprisoned and murdered. When God got ready to call a boy to be a preacher. To this day, I can't believe he called me. I don't know how you approach life, but this this is how I approach life. I may not be the most prestigious man alive. I may not be able to sing like an angel. I may not be able to preach like Paul or Jesus. I may not be rich nor famous. And thank God I'm not called into politics. (laughs) History may never know my name. But if in the course of my living, God chooses to bless me, I want to be the one that turns around and goes and says, thank you, thank you. On a Thanksgiving season note, I want to thank God. I want to thank God by helping you. I want to thank God by loving you. I want to thank God by ministering to you. I want to thank God by trying to be an example for you. How many realize we're behind on gratitude? So, the Thanksgiving season's on it. Let us take it as an opportunity. And can I say a chance to catch up? And I want us to begin this morning.